Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, and we are offering a free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. You can check out all of the audio content that is there, and believe me when I tell you, it's more than just audiobooks. Not that audiobooks aren't great. They are, but there is so much more for you to explore. Over the years, the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast has continued to gain recognition as a great resource for uh, small business owners, sales professionals, entrepreneurs, uh, business leaders of all kinds. And that is really because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me to share that expertise with all of you. Today is no different. Today, my guest is Ken Wentworth. Ken, Mr. Biz Wentworth, is a strategic business partner who works with business owners to help them operate more profitably and more efficiently. In addition, he is a six-time world record holder. During his corporate career, Mr. Biz developed a diverse skill set by working in many different roles accountant, investment analyst, operations manager, planning and analysis director, and CFO for several different businesses while rising to the top 3% in a Fortune 15 company. He's also written two best-selling books, Pathway to Profits and How to Be a Cashflow Pro. Ken regularly speaks to professional organizations hosts the Mr. Biz radio program and founded Mr. Biz, Biz Solutions, an exclusive platform created specifically to provide affordable business expertise for small business owners. He's often quoted and per, appears as an expert 
on small business topics in a variety of written and online publications, as well as radio shows, including Forbes, J.P. Morgan Chase, American Express, Fast Company, NBC, ABC, Fox, Business News Daily, and more. Thanks so much for joining me today, Ken. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Diane. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I am as well. And I was wondering if we could start with, I'm very curious about the three pillars of financial success. Can you explain? Yeah. So when I start working with uh, a company, these are the, this is the very first place we start. So um, what I've found in my experience over the years and my <clears throat> 20 plus years, let's just call it that for now. Uh, <laughs> okay. No need to be specific. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but what I found is all businesses, again, from, you know, Fortune 15 companies all the way down to startups, these three particular things are the absolute foundation, um, the pillars, if you will, of, of success, uh, at least financially, as well as for the rest of the business as well. And, and those pillars are number one, cash flow. Uh, clearly, if you don't have cash, you don't have a business. So very, very, very important there. Um, and then the second one is, um, some people are going to cringe when I say this, Diane. It's the B word. No, not that B word. It's budget. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think um, budget, the word budget, and the reason people cringe so much, I'll tell you, Mrs. Biz cringes at the word budget, right? So... <laughs> It's important um, to, to distinguish that a budget is not necessarily just, I think a lot of people think of it like they think of when they hear the word diet, right? Oh, yeah. I gotta, I'm going on a diet. I'm going to drink water and eat lettuce, right? And it's not necessarily the case. Um, you can have a diet where you're trying to gain weight and not many of us are doing that. But I know back in my competitive uh, athletic career, there were times when I was trying to put on weight, move up a weight class, et cetera. And so I was on a diet that actually was trying to gain weight. The same thing can be done yeah. said for a budget. You could be in a growth mode to where it's not just pinching pennies and everything like that. You're reinvesting in the business, spending money. Um, but a budget is just an absolute game changer. It's so important, Diane, for me that when I talk to a prospective client, if they w refuse to create a budget, then that's a deal breaker for me because I know how powerful it is. And yeah. most businesses don't even have them. And I, mo what I found is most don't have them because they don't even know where to start. They, they know what a budget is, but it, you know, they don't know where to even start to try to build something that's realistic that they can try to stick to. So anyway, that's the second pillar. Very, very, very important. Um, and then the third one is pricing. And um, I know that sounds really obvious, but, and I don't mean pricing in that, oh, geez, I'll, I'll start working with you and let's just increase your prices by 10%. That's not what I mean at all. Um, what I mean is what I've, again, oftentimes found again, businesses of all shapes and sizes, of all ages, different parts of their life cycle, have what I call the silent business killer. And that is they have a or many products or services that they provide that are actually unprofitable. And huh. I call it the silent business killer because most people don't realize they have it. So of course, when I mention that to someone, they say, well, Ken, why would I have a product or service that I'm losing money on? Why would I do that? Well, you wouldn't purposely do it. But what I found is that oftentimes most businesses have at least one of those products or services. And unfortunately, a lot of times those are the products or services that are high volume, which is why a lot of companies end up coming to me because they're saying, gosh, we're, you know, our sales are up, but we're having trouble making payroll every two weeks, for example. 
Um, and so why is that? What the heck is going on here? You know, that kind of thing. So um, those are the three. So again, cash flow, budgeting, and pricing, absolutely critical. Pricing, look, is, is one of those things where, um, and I have a new client that we're going through this with, and he's, his mind has just been blown in that if you think about it, if you eliminate that, that one silent business killer product or service you have, you could actually do less in sales, but make more money, right? So less work yeah. and you actually make more money. And that's without raising your prices. So it's, right. it's super powerful. I'll tell you what, I, I so love that you were talking about that because I think so many people focus on revenue generation and they don't think about profit generation and, and I totally see how it is a silent business killer. Yeah. And, I, and again, unfortunately, I've seen it too often. I mean, that's why, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've come up with these little terms and, and, and why I've added pricing to, you know, those, those three pillars, because gosh, it just, you know, I had a client that um, before I started working with him, um, he's in the uh, service industry, service uh, based business. And they had bid, they had a commercial project that they bid on and he bid very aggressively on the commercial project. And at the time he was doing about a million dollars a year in revenue. And this was a $220,000 project. So as you can imagine, he was quite excited to try to land this. Well, unfortunately what, had, what happened was he bid way too aggressively. And so at the end of the year, so he bids on this, he lands the, gets the contract, does yeah. the work. In, in the interim, I start working with him. We get to the end of the year and I had to explain to him, and again, I know it sounds completely counterintuitive, but it's a great example of this, an illustration that I had explained to him. That, so that job ended up costing him about $260,000. Oh my goodness. So he lost $40,000 on that job. So I had to explain to him that, look, you could have had $220,000 less revenue and made $40,000 more of net income. And of course, on the surface, that sounds absolutely crazy. Ken, I thought yeah. you knew what you're talking about. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, I had to basically whiteboard it out for him and explain it to him. Um, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And so that's when, you know, I just started working with him and we really started diving in uh, as we do with, you know, each of his products and services and make sure they're profitable, not just profitable, but at the right level of profitability. I mean, there's some sometimes you need to just eliminate a product or service because maybe you can't offer it at a price that's competitive to your, you know, to the market. And so in that case, sometimes you got to, you know, cut bait and, and, and eliminate that product service. Yeah, boy, I, that it is so important. That, that is just such a big issue. So talk to me about improving cash flow, because I feel like this is part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I think that happens and the reason why some businesses struggle with cash flow, and by the way, there's no shame in that. Um, I think a lot of people, it's almost like a, they look at it almost like a scarlet letter. Like they don't want to admit if they're having some cash flow challenges. And I'll tell you, again, I've seen it with businesses of all shapes and sizes and ages. Cash flow can creep up on you. Uh, look, this is crazy to say, but Amazon, yes, that Amazon, about 10 or 12 years ago, they ran into some cash flow issues. Now, who would ever think that, right? Right. Um, for a variety of different reasons. But the point being that can happen to anyone. And I think one of the reasons I've seen is that people don't quite understand what cash flow is. And so they look at it as being synonymous with profits or net income, for example. And so they don't understand if their, their P&L, their profit and loss statement shows that they're making money, but they're having trouble paying their bills. You know, just doesn't, something doesn't jive there, right? They don't understand yeah. it. And the way I 
sort of break it down for folks is to say, think of cash flow in this way. Think of when money comes into and goes out of your checking account. That is, that's cash flow right there it, it, at its most basic form is it's not just when, so for example, not to get too deep into any accounting weeds, but the reason you could be showing a profit on your P&L is that perhaps you're, you're working on, an, you have an accrual based uh, P&L. And so you, when you make that sale for $50,000, it goes onto your, into your revenue, it shows us $50,000. Well, you haven't collected it yet. You've sent out an invoice that's net 30, and, but you haven't collected the money yet. So in that case, your, your profit and loss statement showing that, hey, I've got $50,000 when actually, actually your checking account has zero. It has, oh. You haven't received that money yet. And so that's where I think you really have to think of it is it's just the timing of when money comes into and goes out of your checking account. I think that's the basis, basis of how to think about cash flow. I think once people really firmly grasp that, then it starts to, that light bulb above their head at least starts to flicker a little bit, if not go on uh, fully because then they say, oh, now I understand. And so then you really start thinking about, again, just looking at ways, and every business is different, but looking at ways, obviously, to get money into your account faster. And, and, and in some cases, delay your payments out. And I don't mean be late with payments, but for example, and some people don't like this advice, uh, but honestly, when you get a net 30 invoice, you know, sometimes people are too efficient for their own good. Mm-hmm. So they get a net 30 invoice and they pay it the day they get it. And in my opinion, unless there's a discount offered, why would you pay that that soon? If it's a net 30, wait until day 28 or 29 and pay it. You're still paying within the, you know, the due date. You're not, you're not hosing anyone over as far as that goes. And, uh, but you, you, you've gained, instead of paying it on day two, if you pay it on day 20, 28, let's say, you've gained almost four weeks of having that money. And in, in between there, you've probably had one or two payrolls, for example. So that could help you. Um, that's just one example, but that's... Yeah something, the way to think about it is it could help you do that. And another way to do it is in that scenario, even to get you more runway with, with money in your account, again, in your checking account is, and I'm not suggesting, I got to preface this. So is pay at least some of your expenses with a business credit card. Now, the preface to that is I'm not suggesting that you run up a credit card balance. You pay the balance every month. So you got to, you have to be disciplined with it. You can't just run up a bunch of money and then at the end of the money, a month you can't pay it and you have interest charges. I'm not saying that at all. That isn't, that's not good fiscal management. Yeah. But so that, in that example, if you paid on day 28 and you pay with a credit card, depending on your billing cycle, you, you don't have to actually take money out of your checking account to pay your credit card for another 30 to, six, uh, 30 to 45 days, right? Four to six weeks until that credit card payment is due. Now you've just held on to your cash for another, let's just say month. Now you're looking at about 60 days from when you first bought, let's say the purchase you made was uh, raw materials for the widgets you make. You've held on to that. You've had that, those raw materials for 60 days. I mean, think about it, Diane, you may have purchased the raw materials, created your product and sold it and have money in your account way before the 60 days before you even have to pay for the raw materials. So as you can imagine, again, thinking about that money in and out of your checking account, you would have already gotten in that scenario, you would have already gotten the money into your checking account from the sales and you haven't even paid for the raw materials yet. I mean, super, super uh, efficient uh, use of your cash flow. Um, but you do have to, that approach, you, again, you do have to be disciplined with because, again, I'm not oh, suggesting man. that you run up a credit card balance and not be able to pay it off. That completely defeats the whole purpose of it. So, yeah, boy. So I, I, you're talking about that and I'm thinking, wow, that is so cool because if you can really manage it properly, then you have the money you need 
you don't have to borrow to, mm -hmm. you, you know, like float payroll or right. which a lot of people do and then right. they just can't get caught up. Well, and here's a, here's a little, little tangential benefit and, and it's a huge one depending on the size of your business. So I had a client. Um, so use when you, if you do implement that plan, make sure that your business credit card has rewards. So uh, for example, there's a credit card out there that you can easily find. I don't endorse anyone in particular, but they give it's two two percent cash back, unlimited. That's another thing to catch because a lot of them are limited. So they'll give you two percent, for example, but only up to a certain amount. So this one is two percent, and it's a no annual fee credit card as well but it's 2% cash back. So I had a, a business, a small remodeling company um, in Westerville, Ohio, as a matter of fact, and he, he purchases about $400,000 a year in materials. <laughs> so and I know you're, you're probably going to the same place I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm here, Diane, right? $400,000 and 2%, he gets $8,000 a year of free money. Wow. Funny, right? And, and again, no interest charge, no annual fee. It costs you absolutely nothing. It improves your cash flow and you get a free $8,000. Now, the side note to that story, that uh, the, <laughs> that particular client, he let his, his rewards build up over the year and then he used it to take his wife on vacation to Hawaii. Wow. So fantastic story, except for it was bad for me in one way, selfishly, is because I got the the uh, ubiquitous uh, picture of him on the beach with the beer in his hand with his feet in the sand in the ocean in the, in the foreground saying, thanks a lot, Mr. Biz. My wife and I are in, in uh, Hawaii. And I'm like, did you, can you bring me back a t-shirt at least? Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> oh my gosh. And why didn't he take you? That, that 2% you could use. Oh my um, and gosh. that scenario is very important again with that limit because again, if it was a limited on fifty thousand dollars, for example, yeah, you'd lose a lot of that benefit, right? But some people, some of my clients, what they've chosen to do is they they use those rewards to invest back in the business, and they they use that to fund their marketing and advertising. Yeah, so right. Their marketing and advertising becomes free because yeah. they're using the credit card reward points. Oh, such a great idea! Wow, it is such a great idea. I never would have thought of that. Huh. Fascinating. Okay. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions for you. Okay. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is thrilled uh, to be sponsored by audible.com. And while I'm sure you are aware that audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, what you might not know is that they also have podcasts, and they have Audible Originals and Guided Meditations and so much more. And one of the benefits is that you can get all of that different kind of content on one platform. So you don't have to switch between programs to get what you're looking for. So we're thrilled to offer you a trial, a free trial, so you can check it out for yourself. Just go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth Sign up for that trial, and you know what? Check out not only the audiobooks, but the other content that's there. Uh, if I were going to make a suggestion, it would be the guided meditations are pretty great, especially these days. So check it out for yourself. Explore around. Uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Today we're speaking with Ken, Mr. Biz Wentworth, about how to avoid the silent business killer.
You mentioned before we went on break that some companies take the rewards that they get from their credit cards and use them uh, and use that money on marketing and advertising. And I'm asked this question a lot. And, and so I'm so curious to see what your thoughts are mm -hmm. around the question of how much should a company really be spending on marketing and advertising? I absolutely love that you asked me that question. I get the question often as well. And I think like when I, when I start, you know, when, I, when I'm talking with business owners, honestly, most business owners that I've come in contact with, they just have a dollar amount. They say, Oh, well, I'll spend X thousand dollars a month or X thousand dollars a year annually. Personally, I think that's a mistake. Um, and, and here's why. Um, I think that you should base your marketing spend on your revenue. That way, as your revenue base grows, so should your marketing spend. So as to continue to fund your future growth in your business. So when you're a million dollar company compared to when you're a $5 million company, in my opinion, you should be spending maybe five times as much on marketing in that, in that scenario. And what, so what I generally speak tell people is you should spend anywhere between two and 8% of your gross revenue on marketing and advertising there. You can go up to 15%. So in that nine to 15% range, but typically just in a short term, for example, if you're opening a new location um, or if you have a new product launch or something like that, or maybe one of your competitors has gone out of business and you're trying to you know, pick up some additional market share. So you can go into that nine to 15% uh, range in the short term, but anywhere from two to 8%. And honestly, most of the businesses I work with are in the four to 5%, kind of in the middle of that range. Mm. But I also tell folks, especially considering where we're at right now with the pandemic and a lot of businesses are struggling right now is, whatever you do, try not to go below 2%. And I know sometimes, especially when you're trying to cut back on expenses, et cetera, it's easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to cut on my marketing. But pr the problem with that uh, occurs when, if you think about it, if your marketing is effective, it is leading to additional business for you. And the last thing you want to do. So if you're, if you're having, if you're in a situation where you have to cut expenses, it's probably because your revenue is down. Well, now if you take off a source that's providing revenue for you, so that marketing is giving you an ROI on your spend and, and creating revenue. Now you've just made a vicious circle, right? So you've cut your market marketing out. Now your revenue drops even further. Now you have to cut expenses even further. So very important to consider that is trying to go below that 2% level. And I have some business owners that I work with, honestly, Diane, that are not very disciplined. And so we literally set their marketing budget month to month in that, for example, I'll say, okay, in August, our revenue was make it up $100,000. So in September, if we're at 5%, you have $5,000 to spend in September. If the, if the revenue goes up in, in September and it goes to 200,000, now you can spend, you know, $10,000, et cetera, to try to keep them very disciplined and focused on those percentages. So that way, as business goes up or down, obviously you're spending less or more because you've got, you want to make sure that you're continuing to fund that future growth of your business. I really appreciate that. Thank you. It, it is such a tricky thing, but I love the concept of you need it to make money. So cutting it back doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And that, that, that says I strive for, and it's not always possible. And, and, and people have to also realize that, um, and I'm not saying this from a marketing perspective, but I guess kind of, I am, I, I don't do marketing, but, um, you know, you, you have to give a 
uh, campaigns a chance to, to get a little feet, uh, yeah. feet under them. So it's not going to be, you know, day one in most cases where you're going to see a return. So you have to give it a little bit of time. But, but I strive with the goal I have for my clients is that we get a 3x return on our spend. So if we spend $1,000, I expect to see $3,000 in revenue. The very important thing that a lot of businesses that I see miss is they don't measure it. They just yeah. spend it. And, and, and honestly, some of it, frankly, becomes a little bit of ego. So for example, I have a client who was running radio ads and he, his ego was getting stroked because he has friends and family say, hey, I heard your commercial on the radio, right? And so that's great for branding uh, recognition, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's about you know, return on that investment. And so how much money are you making from those radio advertising? Now, brand awareness right. is great and that's great for long-term growth, but are you really, is it really driving any revenue for you? And the answer, unfortunately, was no. So we didn't re eliminate it because it was good for brand awareness. We saw that we were get, gaining some ground for that. So long-term, it's great. But we cut back on it and we took the money we reduced from that side and put it towards something else that was returning, that we had a tangible return on our investment that we could see in the revenue side. Diane, I had a, I had a business owner, and this was only, I guess this was probably about three years ago. I started working with him and I was tearing apart all of everything he was spending his marketing on. And I'm not kidding you, even three years ago, he was spending almost $4,000 a year on yellow page ads. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I said, and you know why? He had been in business for at that point, uh, 26 years. He had gotten a yellow pages ad 15 years earlier and had been paying almost $4,000 a year for 15 years. Wow. Maybe 15 years earlier, he was getting a return on that. Maybe people yeah, were using right. yellow pages more 15 years ago, but I mean, who uses the yellow pages anymore? I mean, my, my right. grandma doesn't use the yellow pages. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it's just a completely outdated, um, you know, method, but it's one of those things that he had been in business so long and it's just set it and forget it. And it just renewed every year. And so again, we quickly eliminated wow. that expense and took that and put it towards, um, you know, another uh, avenue, a marketing avenue that was working for him. And then again, all of a sudden right. you see this explosive growth because we eliminated that dead money that was getting us nothing and put it towards something that we were getting a return on and all of a sudden revenue shoots up, right? Um, so something very important to keep in mind is you have to measure those things. So often when I talk to business, almost all the time, frankly, when I start working with them, they can't tell me what return they get on each piece of, of yeah. marketing they're doing. And that's a huge mistake. I mean, it's, it's potentially in a lot of cases, it's, you're just throwing money out the door. You may have fallen for some great sales pitch uh, from someone that sold you whatever that, that marketing piece is. And in that example, you're, you know, you just set it and forget it. So you just, you know, hit your credit card every month or you write that, you know, check for the invoice every month and don't even think about the return you're getting. Right. Ugh. And, and is there some, um, I mean, I find a lot of business owners are really challenged with being able to measure their marketing because, um, they're not really given measurables by the marketing company. Like the marketing company will say, well, you know, that's hard to do. It's hard mm -hmm. to quantify. Yeah. And, and sometimes they are. And I'll tell you, there, there are, some, there's a few workarounds around that. And, and one of the things that um, we've done, I've done with a few different clients is um, we will, um, a couple different things. Number one, you can have a dedicated phone line. So if you're investing a, a good chunk of money, again, a good chunk defines as right, depends on the size of the business, but 
let's say for example, the, the radio advertisement that I mentioned earlier, it, let's say you're putting $5,000 a month in the radio advertising. Maybe you have on those radio advertisements, you only use a certain number and that's yeah. the only place you give out that number. So, you know, anyone that calls in that line came to you from the radio. So you can measure that very, very easily in that case. The other way to do it and much less expensive, frankly, is to have a dedicated website and you don't have to have a full website. What you can do is you can buy a domain name very inexpensively, right? Most cases, less than $20 for a year. Yeah. You can buy a dedicated domain name and then give that domain name during whatever that piece of uh, marketing or advertising is, and then do a redirect from that domain. So you don't have to establish a website there, but you, your website people can do this very easily. I do it all the time. You can do a redirect from that to your regular website, but you'll be able to measure the traffic that's coming from that particular domain name. So again, if you have uh, any type of advertising, it could be radio, it could be TV, whatever it might be, um, all those different avenues. If you use that particular domain name, that website, and only that piece of marketing, you're going to know how much is coming from that. So it's, those are two ways that we've gotten around that. That's things that are sort of difficult to, you know, to quantify in a lot of cases, but those are two ways that, to do it relatively inexpensively and it's very accurate. Yeah, I like those a lot. That's great. Now, um, okay, so staying on the subject of measurement, mm -hmm. what would you say are the most important financial margins to measure? Uh, that's a great question because, uh, and I get that question a lot too, once I start working with an owner and they start to, uh, some of my numbers nerd mentality starts to rub off on them, um, is that <laughs> what I find a lot of business owners do is they focus on, if, they, if they're in tune with their financials at all, they focus a lot on their gross margin uh, or, and they just call it margin. Well, my margins are X or my margins are Y. And I find that that falls short um, because gross margin for those unfamiliar, simply put is your revenue minus what they call cost of goods sold. And the cost of goods sold are just uh, basically labor and materials. Anything that, is, that expenses associated directly with uh, producing the product or service that you, you provide that, that drove that revenue. That's what gets down to your gross margin number. The problem is, and a lot of people stop there. And so I'll, I'll start working with a business owner and, and they'll say, well, gosh, my margins are 70%. And that sounds fantastic, right? Well, the problem is all, all the rest of their expenses. And by all the rest, I mean, everything that goes under cost of goods sold and the administrative or a lot of people call it overhead. So your mm -hmm. rent, your insurance, your marketing and advertising, you know, all those types of things that fall on, on your overhead, your administrative office staff, perhaps things like that your phone lines, um, uh, you could have vehicle expense, all those sorts of things that might not be in your cost of goods sold. What happens is you might have a 70% gross margin, but then those overhead expenses eat up all that margin. You end up losing money. And so again, that's what a, a lot of times folks go, well, my margins are 70%, but I'm losing money. It doesn't make sense. And that's why, and that, that scenario I just laid out is why, what happens. So what I like to focus on is your net margin which is it's that gross margin minus all those overhead expenses. And then it gets you down to your net margin. So your net margin essentially is net income. And that's what we all care about at the end of the day. But the, the measurement I like to see is the net margin percentage. And again, I'm, I'm trying not to get too in the weeds here for folks, but your net margin percentage is just what essentially in very basic terms, it's your net income divided by your revenue. And what that shows you 
is that for every dollar of revenue that you bring in the door, how much of it ends, it ends up in your pocket at the end of the day? After everything, all expenses, everything all in, how, how much ends up in your pocket? So the net margin is where it's at. Gross margin, yeah, I could take it or leave it. Net margin is where it's at. I wanna know how much of every dollar that we bring in the front door goes out the back door into my pocket. Uh, that's the most important one. And I will tell, tell you, unless you're in the food services industry, which is the margins are extremely thin. I tell people and some people, very uh, blunt um, guidance. If your net margin is less than 10%, again, unless you're in the food industry, food services industry, congratulations, you have a hobby, not a business. There is no excuse for having an, a single digit net margin for anything other than a food services business. Your margin should be in the teens at a minimum um, for any type of business. And in many businesses, they, they're much higher than that. But, and that's what I think people don't realize is they leave a lot of money on the table because they don't look at it in, from that perspective. Got it. That's great. That, that, that this is so interesting. And, and I got to tell you, I know you, you were trying to stay out of the weeds and I think you did. Good. good. Um, which I also think is so important for people because they start thinking about this stuff and, and they get that glazed look on their face right. and then they don't even try to absorb any of it. But this was um, a really, I think, easy way of understanding this stuff. Good. And yeah, why yeah. it matters. Yeah, and it's, it's taken me some time to sort of uh, craft how I explain things sometimes because, you know, just like anyone else, my wife is a nurse, right? And so she starts to explain medical things to me and I get the glazed over look because I don't, <laughs> that's not my world. I don't understand it. Right. Right. For her, it's just like, you know, she does it every day. So it's very elementary to her. So I've learned that, you know, and I, frankly, from the nonverbals, as you mentioned, Diane, so you're talking with a, a business owner and I start to explain this and I get too technical and I see that I've, they're getting excited. And then I see I just lost them. Like everything's going over their head. They don't understand anything I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, and they get frustrated. So it's, it's important for me. I don't want them to think that I'm speaking to them in a condescending way or anything. But yeah. I also want to make sure I'm sort of breaking it down to make it easy, depending on their level, you know, their level of knowledge and their familiarity with their, your P&L, et cetera. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's really important because they really do need to understand it they, they just they have to be able to embrace these concepts so yeah 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 it is great and i so appreciate you joining me for this conversation to share all this with the listeners um will you tell them like how they can find you you know when you're um mr biz radio and everything else please yeah, so um, you can go out, first of all, social media, we share things on social media uh, five days a week uh, across between Facebook, you can find Mr. Biz Solutions or on my Mr. Biz page. Um, you can find Mr. Biz Solutions.com is uh, our primary website. Um, Instagram, LinkedIn, you can follow me there. Um, we have a YouTube channel, Mr. Biz, channel Mr. Biz. We have, I don't know, over 100 videos uh, out there on a variety of topics. And what I tell people a lot of times is if you hear me and anything I say to you is helpful, I would strongly suggest go out and subscribe to our YouTube channel and not just to get for me to get subscribers, go out there and search because you can search within the channel and say, gosh, I'm having trouble with marketing. 
right? And you can search and just find the marketing videos that we put out there and watch those. And most of the videos are four to six minutes long. So they're easily digestible. They're not long drawn out, you know, uh, videos and things like that. You cash flow, you can search on cash flow and get all the cash flow videos out of that and watch them um, pretty quickly. So yeah, those are the primary of the ways, but I would suggest, I mean, we put out a ton of free content, um, like I said, pretty much five days a week across all those different platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, uh, like I said, YouTube, uh, we do regular videos there. So uh, yeah, definitely go out there, uh, follow me on social media and uh, hopefully get some really good content that's helpful for you. That's terrific. Thank you. I, I highly encourage people to, to take you up on that. I think that's a great idea. Uh, and listeners, thank you. You are who we are doing this for. And I want to thank our sponsor. Go pick up your free trial of audible.com at audibletrial.com slash business growth. Check out all that incredible content and um, see what you think. I, if you're like me, you're going to love the ease of use and it, how it sort of, in a strange way, frees up time, which I continue to find interesting. Uh, as always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Full send with the driver? Check. Piercing iron through the wind? Check. Low checker, high spinner, flop to a tight pin? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all. The all-new TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern, engineered for more distance, more control around the green, and better stability in the wind, it's the hottest tour ball in golf. So no matter what shot you face, there's one ball that's better for all. The TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> I know, right?